Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the kitchen table. This is Arctic Eric, and you're listening to the podcast Fika with Arctic Eric. That freedom we have in Christ Jesus always. At all times, he is the one who sets us free, who liberates us to know him intimately, to express him clearly, and to follow him wherever he might lead. Oh, we thank you for that freedom. That comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. But here at the kitchen table today, we'll see what we end up talking about and whether it, it is more of a testimony or a, a sharing time, a teaching time. I have something on my heart today, and I, I guess I'll title this Called by God. It's kind of a combo, a combination of uh, sharing a bit of testimony and, uh, of course, expounding some scripture a bit. So here we go. Again, thanks for joining me here at the kitchen table. It was back in the summer of 1977. I was home alone, and I was listening to the Gospel of John on an audio book. And God, God who is faithful, the God who's reliable, trustworthy, God who is ever true to his promise, this God that we can depend upon. He called me into fellowship and participation with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. I want to emphasize here what it says in uh, the Amplified Translation. It says, through him you and I were called into fellowship and let's put a circle around that in our mind that word and participation with his son jesus christ our lord you know god who is faithful he called me into fellowship with his son jesus christ and that included not only that uh, initial new birth but to participate with his Son in those things that, before the foundation of the earth, God had decided he wanted to accomplish not only in, but through me, participation. But it began to take me by the Spirit who dwelt, me the mo dwelt in me the moment I believed. God's Spirit carried me into a relationship that continues to deepen today, and it's what I call a daily, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the person of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And all of this, of course, is founded in Scripture, based in Scripture, grounded in the objective Word of God, that we might subjectively experience what He's called us into, a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, I have to tell you, just like you who are born again, you can express, testify, and share as well that my life has never been the same since that moment. For me, it was truly a new beginning, a new birth for me. I trust all who listen have experienced the new birth through trusting in Christ alone. 
Then, about a year later, in the autumn of uh, 1978, I was encouraged to ask the Holy Spirit for a nation to pray for. <laughs> the only nation that came to mind was Sweden, if, even if I wasn't sure really geographically where Sweden was located, but of course God knew. Then Jesus opened up for me or showed me in John chapter 4, the second part of verse 35 and Luke 10 too, that I should lift up my eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. That the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore I was to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust out, send out laborers into his harvest. Well, for me, praying as Jesus instructs here is very important. Jesus didn't tell me, lift up your eyes and look for a revival. No, Jesus told me, lift up your eyes and look at the harvest fields. That's John 4, 35b. Jesus wanted me to lift my eyes and see the great harvest, the ready harvest, his harvest, his fields. He wanted me to see and understand that there's a lack of harvesters. And not only to see the harvest and the lack of laborers, but so importantly that, that I would pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out, thrust out laborers into his great harvest. Jesus didn't tell me to pray for the harvest, and he didn't say pray for revival. He did not tell me that I should expect God himself to go into the Lord's harvest and do the work for the laborers, but rather that the laborers should go. He spoke to my heart, and he still says to all of his disciples, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his ripe and ready harvest. As I prayed to the Lord of the harvest, Jesus began to work through me, and I saw men and women being born again in my everyday life as a businessman. He was doing it through the power of his gospel being shared. It is his harvest, so I needed him to do his work through me. I was learning how to participate with him in what he is doing. You can look at John 12, 26 for that. But I need to caution you, it is so dangerous to pray the way Jesus instructs. Oh, it's much safer to pray for the harvest or pray for revival. But why is it dangerous to pray as Jesus tells us, as Jesus told me? Because if we pray as Jesus tells us to pray, get ready, it will have an effect. It will have an impact. It will bring change. Yes, indeed. It will change you, just like it changed me. Prayer changes us, and through us, God accomplishes his good, perfect, and acceptable will. Everyone who dares to pray as Jesus says to pray will find themselves being changed from deep within 
and desire to be with him in his harvest, desire to be participating with him in his harvest. Then in 1986, after praying for Sweden for eight years, I, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, as we read in Isaiah 6, 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, From deep within my heart, it bubbled up, Here I am, O Lord my God, send me. The Lord is so good. He's so tender at times. And he spoke tenderly to my heart and he said, you know, Eric, you can visit Sweden as a tourist if you want to. So we came for the very first time in 1986. But little did I know that when I stepped foot on the Avenue of the Kings in Gothenburg, Sweden, that in my heart I was going to discover and feel and sense I'm home. You know, I don't know what our prayers did for Sweden those eight years, but praying for Sweden had changed me. Then about six months after returning to the U.S., the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Eric, you can give it all away and go back to Sweden if you want to. Isn't he wonderful? He doesn't stick his finger in my face and say, you must. He said, if you want to. Well, of course we wanted to. Of course we did it. Because I had left my heart in Sweden, so I followed the Lord of my heart back to Sweden and have lived here permanently since 1991, celebrating, celebrating, celebrating the goodness of God. He's good. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but the testimonies are great. Oh, there's so much more to share about the journey and God's faithfulness, but now I want to focus on you and your journey with Jesus. You might be saying to yourself, okay, Eric, I'll pray as Jesus instructs me, but, but Eric, what about doubt? You know, out there, and you here at the kitchen table, I meet so many who struggle with doubt, and if you're one of those, then I pray that this will help you right here today as we're at the kitchen table. Let's look, let's dig, let's see how did Jesus help the disciples in the New Testament who doubted. In Matthew chapter 28, we read from what is commonly called the Great Commission. Let me read. This is, let's see, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had appointed for them. When, he, excuse me, when they saw him, they worshipped him. What do we see here? Well, we see that the eleven disciples obeyed Jesus. They went to the place that he told them to go. They saw him. They worshipped him. But how do we see him that we might worship him? How is Jesus revealed to us? How does, how does God want to reveal Jesus to you and me? Well, of course, Jesus is seen in the pages of the Bible. We see him through the eyes of faith, through the scriptures by faith. You see him, I see him, we see him. 
By faith, we encounter him. By faith, we know him, not just about him, but know him intimately, and we're called into this fellowship and participation by faith. And by faith, we can experience him continually, as expressed clearly in the word of God. By faith, we hear him. By faith, we follow him. By faith, we obey him. All by faith in the Son of God, according to the Scriptures. You see, faith pleases God. But some out there might say, you might say here at the kitchen table, I don't see him when I open my Bible. Let me ask you, what are you looking for when you open your Bible? Information? Bible stories? concepts, do's and don'ts, principles? Or are you looking for a person, the person of Jesus? The one who began a good work in you by his Spirit and will complete the work by his Spirit. You might say, oh yes, I have Jesus. Then I say, wonderful. But let me ask you, to what extent does Jesus have you? To what extent are you allowing him to continue to transform you? Many find the Bible hard to understand. But you know, it doesn't have to be that way for you. You see, if you're a believer, then as a believer, the one who inspired the writers of the scriptures lives in you. The person of the Holy Spirit in you, he's the teacher. He lives big in you, and He, the Holy Spirit in you, desires to reveal Jesus to you through the Scriptures. He wants to continually reveal Jesus to you through these Scriptures. The Holy Spirit wants to give you an ever-growing and deepening relationship with Jesus. Again, it's what I call that daily, intimate, and personal relationship with Jesus through the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the disciples saw him, and so can you, in the pages of your Bible, with the help of the helper, the teacher, the Holy Spirit. But let's continue with this verse in Matthew 28. It says, but some doubted. Jesus, he knows all hearts. He knew that some doubted. But those who doubted did not allow their doubt to stop him from obeying and going to the appointed place to meet him. God wants us to be determined to meet him at the appointed place, to obey him. Our appointed place, your appointed place, my appointed place to meet Jesus is in the scriptures. So what happens next? Let's look. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at this now. Jesus spoke. They all heard him, including those who doubted. Notice carefully that Jesus does not condemn the ones who battled with doubt. He did not ridicule them for their lack of faith, and he won't condemn you, 
and he won't ridicule you because of your doubt. What did he say? He simply told them all, I'm with you always. His words assured them. His words will assure you. For his disciples, for his words, his voice drowned out the doubt and faith ignited in them. In the scriptures, we see him, and through the scriptures, he speaks to us today. He is with you when you go. He is with you always. You might ask, but how did hearing his words assure them, and how will hearing his words assure me and assure you? Jesus' words are powerful. For the disciples then and for the disciples today, his words are powerful. We read in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Faith comes, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the words of Christ. Listen, folks, right here at the kitchen table, the ability to believe God comes as we hear the word. Christ's words, the word of God. Faith will ignite in our hearts as we hear him. Just like when I heard the word through an audio Bible, faith ignited in me. Remember the story in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, there's two traveling to Emmaus. Jesus spoke to them. He opened the scriptures to them, and what happened to them? They declared to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened scriptures to us? The disciples saw him. So can you. The disciples heard him. So can you. Scriptures ignited in them and burned in their hearts. Christ in them and Christ in you, the hope of glory. He lives in all who believe. He is in us to help us when we doubt. He is in us to do, to perform His good will. He is in us to complete what He began. He is in you today to rekindle, to reignite, to burn new and afresh as you spend time with Him in the Scriptures, trusting what He says. God is faithful. Through him, you've been called into fellowship and participation with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. My testimony to you today here is that God is faithful. He can be depended upon. And through him, he not only calls you into fellowship, but through him, he desires to do great and mighty things in those around you. Is he calling you today? How will you respond? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus and his example. Have you followed his example? What do I mean? Well, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Have you been born again? Following Jesus, he was baptized in water by John. Have you followed the Lord in water baptism? The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Are you being filled continually to overflowing by the Holy Spirit? 
Is God calling you today? Is God calling you into a daily, intimate, personal relationship with his son, Jesus? I encourage you, if he is, trust Christ today. That is my prayer for you. God bless you. Good day.